0: How's it everyone? Welcome to Let's Talk Digital with me, Audrey Naidu. On this podcast, you will find uniquely South African digital content brought to you from a local perspective across the industry. Sit back, relax and enjoy the conversation. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Digital with myself, Audrey Naidu. Today I have two guests joining me all the way from the UK. Both of them have a wealth of experience in Martech, media, marketing, and data. Our topic of the discussion covers the evolution of DMPs, which is data management platform, within the new marketing era and how we can leverage its power to deliver intelligent data to drive future business growth. More especially, we see a trend towards the rise of experienced DMPs and will uncover some of the opportunities. This presents to us in the near future. I will touch base on how data management platforms have evolved from tactical media buying tools to more strategic platforms at the heart of enterprise customer experience programs. I'm really looking forward to today's conversation with our esteemed guests. Our first guest is Beth Casey. She is the Marketing Cloud Lead at Salesforce responsible for enterprise accounts in africa and works within the different verticals in south africa our second guest is paul islam account executive in data and identity solutions across the media with over 20 years experience in both advertising and marketing hi guys and welcome to the show
1: Hello, nice to be here. Thank you Audrey.
0: Thanks Audrey. Delighted to be here. Okay, so um, it's awesome to have you talk to us about DMPs today. I just wanted to find out what's happening in the UK right now. Are you guys still on lockdown? I will take the
2: London point of view Mm -hmm. Audrey. So I am down in London and it is, it's probably not, you know, the strictest lockdown. But we have seen globally, so we're allowed out for walks and we can go to the shops once a day if we need to. I've been in for the past two weeks, so I'm definitely taking it seriously. But, um, yes, yeah, strange times we're in.
1: I agree, Beth. So I'm in Manchester, so I'm 200 miles north of you, but it's uh, it's very similar. Um, I'm the dad of... I've got two primary school-age girls. Uh, so we're all as a family working... Working from home. Me and my wife. The girls are, the girls are timetabled. But the biggest challenge, I think, is not whether we're going to run out of snacks, but how, as a family of four, how we're going to share the internet connection fairly together. Mm -hmm. This is the biggest backbone to our lives.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: But yeah, but yeah, it's it's a serious situation.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, what has been your favourite pastime during lockdown when you're not working? I'll take my one.
2: So this is. This is actually something i like to do even when i'm not on lockdown but it's to uh take everything off my shelves clean them and rearrange them so (laughs) in the last two weeks i've made my way through the sitting room the dining room i'm going to get started on the kitchen this weekend and then i'm going to tackle the bedroom next weekend i think that could probably give me another six weeks of work
1: i'm going to take inspiration from you beth and i need to add that to my list uh, for me, I, I am not an, uh, an avid sportsman, usually, it's fair to say, uh, but since, since this lockdown, um, we're using Joe Wicks, that, uh, the guy, I think he might be in Australia, to do his circuit classes, so my garden is overlooked by several neighbours, and um, I am quite the spectacle.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine, <laughs> but I really like bed pastime. time something we don't have time for, to do some home organizing whilst we can. So guys, I just want to maybe start the conversation. Um, like I said, our topic today is around um, DMPs. And maybe to start the conversation, I'd just like to start at the beginning to ask the question, what exactly is a DMP?
1: All right. So yeah, DMP, data management platform. Effectively, its its job is to, it's to collect uh, data. It's to build segments, and it's to learn about audiences. Essentially, you know, it's used by, it's a tool for marketers, and it enables marketers to, to collect and store data that is often, it's separated in, in different systems and silos across an organization. So, I mean, very oftentimes, you know, customers uh, will have potentially really great data, but it just isn't, isn't in a, a place that can be unified. So that might be you know, unknown visitor website traffic. It might be all of their, their known customer uh, purchase histories. Um, might be their, their loyalty database sits elsewhere. And they might be running advertising campaigns at the same time. But if you can, if you can unify those, bring them together, then you can start to build you know, really meaningful audience segments. And that's what helps you, you know, on the one hand, personalize your marketing, Personalise the the website content or your app content, um, and the goal here is simply you know collecting data isn't the goal in itself; it's a tactic so that your brand can resonate with a relevance uh, at every touch point that it has you know with a, a prospect or a customer's journey with you. Does that make sense as a, a sort of a, a broad synopsis?
0: Definitely, I love the way that you simplified it into a better understanding in terms of what DMP is, because very often even marketers are confused in terms of what role DMPs plays with an organization. Um, Beth, I'm not Mm -hmm. sure if you want to add to that.
2: Yeah, I think that was a really good explanation, Paul. And, you know, just I've been working in digital advertising and digital marketing for Yeah, the guts of 10 years now. And I remember when the launch of DMPs came into the market, I found it really confusing to wrap my head around what it was that they actually did. You know, and there's obviously a lot of providers and there's lots of USPs, of course, all the different DMPs. But um, having you explain it like that, Paul, is, is really useful. And I think some of the kind of key words that you use there for me that I see with DMPs now is that act of kind of personalization and relevancy so we were talking you know off record uh audrey and i know each other well but we've been talking before about the evolution of dmps you know initially very much targeted and um, driven towards optimizing your media spend your media targeting but now really beginning to add value across the whole customer value chain or the customer journey so making sure that we can to Paul's point combine data sets that customers or data footprints I should say that customers are leaving across your digital assets and bringing that into a a single place to inform how you can next best respond or engage or talk to or personalize to that customer.
1: There's lots of research um, in terms of you know, changing trends uh, from from consumers and what, what their expectations are. But one what, what of the points that, that just springs to mind is that it's the experience that, that brands are providing now that's um, actually, you know, as important or more important than, than the actual product or services that they're, they're actually providing. And that's, you know, it's, it's that feeling that it's how we make people feel that is the, is the, valuable, the valuable thing that makes people want, want to shop with us, want to stay with us. Over the long term so anything we can do to improve that that experience that personalization uh, is is a good thing for brands
0: uh, yeah that's great I was just going to ask because there's a lot of confusion on understanding the difference between a DMP and a CDP so a customer data platform can you give us your views on that
1: absolutely yeah I can um, and it's a great question because Twitter and the and the industry um, industry articles are, are full of, of points of view about this, and I've seen headlines like, you know, is the DMP dead, <laughs> for instance. Um, but I mean, my perspective on this is that so customer data platforms are um, they've been born from the fact that marketers need uh, need all of the data in one place, which is something that we just described that DMP can do, um, but they also need um, to have a system that doesn't have any reliance on on IT. So, for instance, um, at the moment, you know, brands might have a data lake; they might have a data science team, um, and that might be amazing data propensity modelling on, you know, uh, on the, on their, their current customer base. But if the marketer wants to uh, build segments from that data and activate it, or even just use it for insights for themselves, for their, t- for their team, for the strategic planning. At the moment, they probably have to log a ticket with IT and get IT to export that data, and then they get to have to wait, and then they get to analyze it, and then it turns out maybe we need it tweaking, and it goes back and forth. So the CDP, uh, to, to one extent, is going to be a, is going to be a system where, it's a tool for marketers and you can bring in all sorts of unstructured data yourself and the CDP will make it really easy to map those data points together. It will do that heavy lifting for you. However, people, some people are thinking that the CDP is only being uh, like your known customer data. And it absolutely is that. But every brand is going to have always have unknown data. You're always going to have people hitting your website who are, browsing they're in consideration mode maybe they're you know they're checking you out versus your competitors and that's really valuable traffic you know from an e-commerce perspective you know, typically only five to ten percent at best of of your, of your monthly um, visitors will convert into a uh, a checked out basket so there's a tremendous uh, pool of, of 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 people there unknown people that the dmp can make sense of that that, that will still be bringing to bear. So my point is that CDP is is the future, but CDP without good quality DMP technology is probably only half the picture that, that brand marketers need.
2: Virtually nodding my head here, <laughs> which of course you can't see. I would be obviously completely in agreement with Paul on that one. And again, from my point of view, you know, I, I can see where the crossover question comes into place right because there is quite a lot of overlapping functionality there when you look at a cdp and you look at a dmp especially around that unification of data from different sources Mm -hmm. but i think you know it's a really important point that paul drives there about actually being able to capture and understand that unknown data Because if you're a brand and you look at, you know, your, your first party data is your golden record, right? It's your golden ticket. They're your customers or they are the prospects, the people that you know that you can speak to. But if you limit yourself to just speaking to them, there's absolutely revenue and growth that can be built through that. But you also need to look at the wider market. Who else can you convince? Who else can you convert? Who else do you need to bring into the kind of world of your brand or your offering? And that's really where DMP comes in. Now, I think this also kind of leads into something that I know is a hot topic for marketers is, you know, yes, we absolutely want to capture unknown data and unknown activity or behaviors. But how can we do that? When the landscape is evolving so quickly. And just a, you know, simple example of that is the use of cookies, right? So we know that Apple has moved away from cookies and Chrome, and you'll have to excuse me. I don't know, you know, the specific dates or timelines for this, but Chrome have said that they too will begin to move away from that. And Paul, you might know a little bit more around that, Audrey, you might as well. But how can brands then still manage to capture this, you know, good quality? It is still first party because you're capturing activity from your own digital assets. How do we capture that and use that in a changing landscape or changing technological landscape and put it to work? And I think the only way you're going to be able to do that is with a DMP that is also moving with the times, um, which I think the vast majority of DMPs are.
1: I think it's a great, yeah, gr- really important point, Beth. And in fact, I think like, if you look at the Twitter sphere, I think, you know, when G- GDPR, GDPR hits us in Europe, that was the biggest shakeup in, in ad tech. And then suddenly Chrome make their announcement earlier this year that they're going to deprecate third party cookies. And that's given us something else. Big to chew over, and there's a two-year, uh, although the clock's ticking. There's a two-year horizon that Chrome has set as an expectation. However, to give a bit of perspective on sort of what the impact might be, if we think about the actual accessible, addressable market of cookies, yes, they did. They, they've all third-party cookies have always played uh, an important role in ad tech. I'll speak to what, what the implications are for DMP in a second. But actually, if you look, just this is the U.S. figures. But if you think like U.S. total digital ad spend is about sixty-one billion dollars a year. Now, a lot of that is actually in app. The time that people spend in apps, uh, that's not using cookies, not using third-party cookies. And then you've got Safari browsers. Well, Safari block cookies previously anyway, and I think they've actually just re- uh, announced that they're going to tighten up even further. But actually, people, you know, media buyers are. are Generally, stop buying Safari-based media buys for, for that reason. Firefox are taking a strong stance, a bit like Safari as well. But the the conclusion is that um, there's about sixteen billion dollars of that total US, so somewhere less than a minute is, is based on third-party cookies. So that's the bit that's uh, that's going to be affected. So it's important, but it's not the whole the whole picture. From a DMP perspective, it is going to be important that marketers are using technology that 's able to to move with this this evolution, and so for instance, the better the more forward thinking providers out there will already have been restructuring re-architecturing the technology, so it 's agnostic of the device so for instance, some DMPs uh, will they use third party cookies because they exist, but it doesn't mean that they can own that's, that that they 're fully reliant on third party cookies hashed email for instance could be uh, the the new first party identifier for brands. So, you know, some DMPs might already be able to, they can already activate a hashed email, to, which makes it, it's hashed, so it's not personally identifiable, but then activate that directly into the Google ecosystem, for example, directly from a DMP. And things like connected TV, you know, streaming TV, that as a, as a channel is is really on the rise in in, in many markets. Uh, that isn't reliant on third-party cookies and that might be, uh, COVID-19 maybe is where consumers are spending a lot more of their time, you know, streaming, streaming uh, video and what have you. And so there again, there are, it's not an entire sort of uh, apocalyptic situation. Uh, there are, with the right technologies, there's, there are going to be ways that marketers can still you know, reach their audiences in a in an important way,
2: and even just on your connected TV example, there, Paul. You know, connected audio as well, so streaming absolutely. audio,
1: absolutely, very much Things so. Yeah,
2: like we're doing right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, podcasts, uh, gaming. You know, Xbox. You know, that that's also you know, it's, it's an over the top, an OTT uh, identifier that um, you know your DMP should be able to uh, to uh, handle.
0: So I think just hearing both of you speak, I'm I'm picking up a few trends or shifts happening in media and marketing is the way we looked at consumer is now radically shifted and we need to actually put on a new lens and a new perspective of how we gain customer knowledge and insight using the power of a DMP two is that there is solutions to a cookie-less world if brands start to plan now actually using the right um, tech stack and considering how they use a cdp and a dmp and then uh, three the opportunities that media is actually evolving in the channels that are growing the new channels that customers are adopting and i mean just looking at this lockdown process is going to start having consumers adapt new ways of consuming media like um, online streaming, so audio streaming to the radio shows for example or, or even podcasts so I think what that that tells me is that we need to actually really strategically look at the role DMPs are going to play in the future. And one of the questions I want to ask both of you is from a local South African perspective, because both of you oversee EMEA and Africa, what would you say the you know from your perspective what's going on in local markets are are we tapped into um, global trends are we moving in the right direction are we investing in the right dmp stacks um, just some observations from your perspective
2: mm, i'm happy to start with that this is a bit of a background and some of the markets i've worked in you know i spent the vast majority of time initially in the uk market And I have been working in the South African market solely for the last two years. And I know I've said it to you before, Audrey, but I'm like, without being, you know, full of hyperbole here, I am honestly blown away by the level of expertise, the knowledge, and really the urgency and encouragement from anybody I speak to in South Africa to learn, right? I almost feel like there's an, an underdog mentality that says, you know, we need to be better, we need to know more, which means that everybody I speak to from a digital marketing perspective is hungry to learn more, to understand, to challenge themselves, to think big picture, broader strategy. And because, you know, there's a huge amount of the population that are now beginning to have access to, you know, more and more data... Like, there's just such a huge opportunity there for the South African market to absolutely explode in terms of what they can provide for customers. You know, I think sometimes when you're in some of the more saturated markets, let's say, or, you know, I don't want to say sophisticated markets, because I actually just don't think that's right, but maybe saturated markets, there can be a tendency to kind of think that you know everything or you'll predict everything. And I just don't see that at all in South Africa. I see, you know, the absolute opposite. People challenging each other, brands challenging each other, which I think is wonderful. Um, the acceptance of new channels. So, if we even start thinking about WhatsApp as a channel for service, so many companies are asking me, you know, what my opinion on that is, what I know about that. And yeah, I just, I think it's a, a brilliant market to work in. And I think that, you know, South Africans should give themselves a pat on the back and say, yeah, we're doing a great job.
1: I think that, I think it's just like you'd know, start on your own. First, what we call the first party data asset and you know, start start soon, simply so that you own it yourself, um, and perhaps actually that way you, you you get to skip some of the the learning curve that uh, some of those more saturated markets that that Beth was just talking to uh, have, have have been through. And what I mean by that is, you know, we've already talked about this uh, spread of data in separate places, but also think about the spread of data across different business units, perhaps business units. Within one organisation that just don't get to talk to each other at the moment because they're not unified, or maybe you know, if a brand, if you you might be working with outside vendors to help run your advertising, and maybe those vendors have got uh, pixels or tags on your websites to help them, you know, model and and, and target. The thing is, if you're able to bring um, bring that 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 data in house, so it's yours and you own it. It's transparent, you've got control, and that gives you, you power um, so that the agency partners that you use, all your stakeholders, will also then be able to do a better job because it'll be, they'll get, they'll get more access to more layers of data, different, different sources, um, and you as a brand will have that centralised control and view on exactly what's working, what isn't working. Is there duplication? Um, and so I'm not talking about in-housing and a and brands doing all the work themselves at all. I'm talking about the, the possibility to empower all of your stakeholders and your partners uh, to be able to, to work from, uh, from one, one unified single view. And that way, you know, everyone's bar gets raised. And the, the, the other thing perhaps is to think about you know second what we call second party uh, partnerships. So we talk about first-party data um, as being like your goal. That's, that's the, the, the data in your, you know, your website, visitors, your, your app users. But second-party data is just simply somebody else's first-party data. So let me give you an example. Um, you might think about, think about the data partnerships you could form with non-competing companies where you could maybe form mutual benefit in a you know, one-to-one private partnership. So, for example, I don't know, like a bank um, might form a, a partnership with a, a shopping retailer. There's no conflict of interest there in terms of uh, their user base. But um, your DMP might have a platform basis to to facilitate the pipes, if you like, between that data exchange. Um, and you know, commercially, those two partners might they would they make their own own um, agreement. Uh, but then suddenly you. The bank gets access to really great quality data from, you know, in that example, you know, uh, an e-commerce brand, and so the people that hit their hit the bank's website and are looking for savings accounts now they get to see oh those people that are looking at savings accounts are also shopping for um, family items and you know household goods from the e-commerce perspective, and you layer those things together and suddenly you know, you've got a much more powerful perspective that you wouldn't have had before. So build a first-party data asset and think about second-party partnerships that you might want to forge.
0: So, Paul, what about third-party data?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, for for a long, long time, the industry has used third-party data, um, and it still plays, uh, you know, an important role. But if, I had, if you drew a pyramid, uh, a hierarchy of, of importance... Uh, first-party data sits at the top, so you know that, as Beth said, that's your gold, but it's also the you've got the least amount of it. Um, Second-party data I just described, and that kind of sits in the middle, and third-party data would sit at the bottom, of the base of the pyramid. So it's the it's the biggest in volume, but it's commercially available, um, but it is the least argu- arguably less relevant than your first-party data because it's modelled from seed behaviors and because you tend to buy it from uh, commercial vendors it's it's more difficult uh, to to know for sure exactly you know what the sample size of that of that particular segment was and how it was built and how recently built it it, it was so it still provides value and it gives you know indicative insights but it's perhaps it's perhaps not um the It's perhaps not as important to the future as it was in the past. And it relies on third-party cookies in many respects, maybe not in all respects.
0: So, guys, um, we've seen a shift in consumer behavior and um, the future is going to be looking very different for brands in terms of understanding their consumers, offering personalized messaging, and then also um, gaining a deeper understanding of who their customers really are. So um, I really like to maybe touch on what is the future of DMPs in light of the shifting behaviors of customers that we're seeing?
2: So, I mean, I think we have we've touched on some of them already audrey right so the kind of three big ones for me are initially that hyper personalization right so like i was talking about the ability for a brand to actually you know start to compete on the experience that they're providing their customers so really driving retention reducing churn increasing loyalty All based on yes, potentially superior products, but definitely superior service. And that means, you know, talking to your customers on their channel of preference. So whether that be email traditionally, whether that be WhatsApp or whether that be over the phone, whether that be through an in-app push or two-way push, really giving the brand the ability to under communication at the right frequency and with the most relevant information that's actually going to help them throughout their process of engaging with the brand whether that be you know for example ordering an uber right getting just the right amount of push notifications to let you know where your driver is what be a monthly view on what you've spent in your app and the different uh, topics or not topics but the product offerings that you're buying right you know what's your fruit and veg? You're trying to reduce your meat intake so adding that kind of qualitative Differential information to your customers in the right way. I think DMP is going to play a really foundational part in that. The second piece for me then is about the ability to use your customer data in a trusted and secure way. And that kind of comes back to the cookies conversation that we were having. You know, if the technology is changing so that we won't be capturing Activity with cookies anymore. And we start to see more walled gardens come up. You know, a walled garden example is the likes of Facebook, let's say. You know, we're not getting any cookie or activity tracking from there. How can we in a secure, transparent and simple way, you know, take our customer data and leverage it within these walled gardens with the customer's knowledge that it's safe and compliant? Which brings me into my third point, consent and compliance. Having a system that allows brands to manage the consent of a customer, like I said, across the different channels that they're on, but also potentially the frequency that they want to receive communication from you. And even further, what they're actually allowed to do with your data. So a DMP should be a tool that allows you to manage that consent, to build consent into all of your communications and structure it so that a customer can manipulate a change based on what they want to do in the future. And that's captured in real time and has the ability to then update campaigns or journeys or sends, whatever it might be. Those
1: are my key three points for the future of DMPs. Yeah, Beth, I was just just to pick up on the your, your points about the importance of uh, providing, you know, useful service, um, and also the importance that well, the ability now for the DMP to be used, you know, for more than just leader optimization, but actually to be to be used across um, all of the the marketing channels uh, that a that a business might be using. Um, it put me in mind of a. Um, Uh, a situation that happened just last week and so obviously under this this COVID-19 situation uh, brands might be seeing new traffic to their websites as you know people people find their usual shopping habits uh, and their needs have changed and they're searching for information so the DMP could actually help brand teams you know understand those personas and then serve appropriate re-messaging across maybe advertising but across email or across mobile you know across the whole mix uh, to deliver a better experience of that brand so for instance last Sunday I spent um, a long time trying to get my mother registered for a new online grocery delivery account with one of the big four one one of the big supermarkets in the UK so not surprisingly the site was it was crashing and it was glitching with errors So it was an awful experience from a user perspective, but these are very trying times. So, you know, I wasn't blaming the brand in that that instance. In a different time, I might be, but not today. You know, this is an unusual situation we're facing. However, from a data perspective, that experience of trying to um, create an online account for uh, for my mother, potentially through the Zoom online department. And I think for me, that was key. So she had an account, but those two departments don't talk to each other, so they they weren't aware of that. So because her, her account was in the system, you know, um, we were able to shop and fill a basket of goods. Um, so the Zoom market was already collecting really super useful information on those preferences and or the sizes and um, and this was for an authenticated user. It was for someone that had an account, and that that's gold. You know, they could build lookalikes from that information as a, a separate use case, but in this example the system actually fell over when we were trying to check out but if we think about it from a data perspective we've got an authenticated user from a sister division of the same organization but now we know that, that this is a they're a first-time user of online grocery um, and we know that their basket has hit an error um, and actually you know from the demographic inf- information, from the date of birth information they might hold on this account, from the other department, we could know that this person is aged over seventy and therefore is subject to the government rules of of you know priority risk um, in terms of you know needing home delivery. So there are lots of really really important ways that they could use that data to to to, to serve uh, to serve messages and uh, and reach out uh, to that. Known, known, account, and so this, this ability for DMP to bring all of those, those data points together and to unify departments uh, is you know a way for that brand to build lifetime value to you know to to find a new customer and to, to nurture that relationship. Uh, so you know even in these trying times, there are signals that consumers give off that if brands use them in the right way. They can use them, not in a mercenary way, but to to their advantage uh, in the future.
0: So definitely multiple opportunities for marketers to rethink the way they look at customers across the board, across channels, across platforms. A very exciting space to be in currently. And I think, uh, Beth, you were right in saying that Um, Within local markets, we're seeing a lot of South African brands already in discussions, already made investments towards DMPs, um, whether it's from a media space or even from their own um, customer base in terms of looking at CDPs and DMPs. So I think Mm -hmm. um, in closing, what would be your final remarks to close off this conversation, guys?
2: Mine is cliched, but it's just to stay safe, guys. I hope the lockdown does or serves its intended purpose. People stay indoors and we see this time through to more, you know, more availability to travel and see our friends face-to-face and see our customers face-to-face. But in the meantime, try and help them as much as you can online.
1: Yeah, I'd echo that. And maybe as a result of this, we'll all be, you know, more adept at using these remote technology that we're all all becoming so familiar with. Uh, So maybe there'll be be, uh, some silver lining eventually.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but thank you so much, guys, for your time and your wealth of knowledge that you've shared with us. I think some really good nuggets coming out of that, and I'm sure our listeners will appreciate it. Something to keep them out of mischief while they are on lockdown Hopefully, listen to the podcast and learn something off it because when we're ready to go back to the office and get stuff done, we'll actually have a viewpoint uh, to take back with us. So thank you, guys. Much appreciated and be safe. Thanks for tuning in today. And a massive shout-out to all my remote listeners. I really value and appreciate your support during this time. Don't forget to follow my Instagram handle, TalkDigitalZA us your feedback and who knows you could be featuring on the next one